Happy We Met, Season 1, Episode 5. Today's guest is Keisha Diane McMillan. Keisha is a cannabis journalist and freelance copywriter with a knack for storytelling. Keisha's writing has been featured in Dope Magazine, The Bold Italic, and MJ Lifestyle, where she wrote the cover story for the Summer 19 issue. She's also provided copy for major brands like HelloMD and PAX. In this episode, we discuss why Keisha uses her talents to document these historic times in the cannabis industry. You've probably already read some of her work, and if you haven't, you will. This is Happy We Met. Cool. We are here. I am at Impact Hub in Oakland with Keisha Diane McMillan. Uh, excited to talk. Um, Keisha is a journalist and cannabis journalist and cannabis enthusiast. And we're here to learn about her journey a little bit. And so why don't you start just kind of, I'd love to know a little intro about yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, what was the first article, or I guess first written piece Mm -hmm. uh, on cannabis cannabis. that you did in your life? So my, um, I am a content writer and journalist in the space. Uh, Marketing copywriting is my bread and butter. So I've written for a lot of brands in the industry. Um, but yes, I also am a journalist. That is something that I have learned that I have a passion for. I had no idea I wanted to be a journalist until I got into the industry. So it's been kind of an amazing journey. I've been in the industry now. Um, I started down this road in 2016. So just before Prop 64 passed. So it's been almost four years. So, okay, my first um, cannabis article or piece that I wrote, I, I have to... I have to. I think, I think it was for uh, Hello MD. Um, actually, um, I had the honor. They were wonderful to work with. Of writing patient stories. They were um, looking for content, kind of focused on the New York market, which is medical. And at the time, it was not. Um, a lot of people were not participating in it. I. I'm hoping I'm not exaggerating when I say this, but I believe at the time, around 2017, they had something like 20 to 30,000 registered patients at that time. And so the content was going to be raising awareness about that. And so I had the opportunity to speak with people who were patients. And um, these people opened up to me about their cannabis journeys. And it just really like, validated oh my god like this is this is really what i want to be doing yeah Mm -hmm. what uh what led you to even want to do that right Mm because there's there's something if you're interested in journalism you're interested in writing right Mm -hmm. and like that sounds like as ideal a first piece to really drink the cannabis kool-aid of sorts oh yeah that like these you know cannabis saved my life in this or that manner yeah um uh, what was it that made you want to take that gig or even, you know, work with Hello MD or, mm-hmm. you know, what was the first kind of motivation? Well, I, before the cannabis industry, I was not a professional writer. Um, I have a very long retail history. I come from the retail merchandising world. Uh, for those of us of certain age who remember the Sharper Image when they had stores, I used to work for their merchandising department. Um, and I was there for like five years. Um, and I also lived in New York for five years working for different retailers. retailers. I worked for um, Retail Brand Alliance and for New York and Company. So my life could not have been more different pre-cannabis. Um, but writing has always been there. And blogging, I took to blogging very quickly. I had a MySpace blog. I had Blogspot. I have had WordPress blogs. I have had 
anonymous blogs on a variety of topics that will be, we can talk about that another time. <laughs> um, but when I made the decision to uh, pursue writing, I was coming out of a consultancy that I'd co-founded with a business partner, a mentor, and uh, we were doing end-to-end product development for hardware companies. And this was at the time here in the Bay Area when it was all about, you know, Fitbit and all of these different, all these Kickstarter campaigns for these gadgets and stuff. I had the sharper image background. Um, but because I'd always been a writer, that was a service that I ended up kind of providing. It was something I never thought of as a standalone business, even as it was basically my post 5 p.m. life. Um, so when I decided to go for cannabis i mean i was familiar with hello md and what i really appreciated about them was that they had medical staff um on on in the in the company and so everything was coming from a standpoint of like really informative um medical based you know like real uh deep content and so the fact that i even had the opportunity to write for them was like i mean i think they even it was a networking it was like a networking connection. Totally. I I couldn't, I think they approached me. Love that. It was incredible. Love that. So mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, I love writing. Um, uh, sharper image, uh, though in a very different way than cannabis. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do always think it's like the future and the world is a better place. So I actually think that's like a pretty valid uh, transition and mindset. That was like, you, their, know, you just said their mission statement, really? by the way. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I get. I, yeah. I, I walk into Sharper Image and I used to be like, man, yeah, everyone should have a massage chair. In their <laughs> right. <house." laughs> <laughs> we all, I, boy, did I feel that way. I never could buy one, but yeah. Yeah. Right? That for would real. make the world great. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Um, and I think, I, I mean, that's definitely my assertion and my assumption within the cannabis industry yeah. is that the goal is to make the world a better place. Absolutely. Um, and so how cool that your first story was talking about how cannabis has made people's individual lives yeah. a better place. And that's yeah. obviously uh, done nothing but proven true. So that was several years ago. So, you know, over the past few years, what have you kind of been focusing on? What's mm-hmm. been interesting to you? You know, mm-hmm. what are some of your your favorite stories, just kind of throwing a bunch of questions at you and see what what comes to mind. I'm going to answer all those. So what I've been focusing on is building a business as a content writer. Um, We have been, you know, cannabis has suffered from misinformation and stigma for almost a century. And when California transitioned from a medical adult use market, we all of a sudden had a consumer base uh, that was exponentially larger. And a lot of those people had no idea how to navigate. And so... I felt that what I could best offer the industry was my writing skill set, my ability to take um, a complicated subject like what is the endocannabinoid system, for example, and try to distill it down to 500 words, factor in some SEO in there because that's the world we live in, and still make it interesting and and compelling to read. So that was the the primary focus was like, I need to, this is my skill set. These companies need my help. Um, So I got to build a business uh, focusing on that. And I've had the pleasure of writing for a bunch of brands. I've written for PAX, Plus Products, um, God, Chemistry. Uh, I've written for accessories brands. I've written for Meister. Um, I, you know, it's just, I mean, the, it just, I've written for so many brands. I've written for dispensaries, High Note in LA. So um, when, when you say you've written for brands, is this uh, like copywriting for yeah, either? Yeah, blog, a lot of blog writing. Okay. 
of a lot of ghostwriting. Kova Software is in a lot of retail dispensary locations, and they have a lot of blog posts geared towards that audience. So that's more business to business. Um, so I've written a bunch of, I had written a bunch of stuff for them, Love not that. attributed. You don't know my name. My name is not on there, but I take full credit. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's been a cross section, which only, I mean, the only way to become a good writer is to write. Yeah. And so those have been great. I love doing that stuff. I love, um, you know, understanding the voice of a brand and trying to like translate my, the way my voice is into that. That's mm -hmm. a wonderful challenge for me. Um, so, but about, uh, let's see, I, I think I want to say about a year and a half or so after I've been doing this, um, someone had posted on the East Bay Canna community page that Dope Magazine was looking for a submissions. And I thought, well, shit, let's, let's try that. And they had a um, issue they were focusing on like, like pivotal people in your cannabis community and Melody Montgomery was a central figure in Mama Bear, as people know her, I was a central figure in the East Bay Canada community. And I thought, well, what, why don't I write about her? I, and I was coming at it from a standpoint of like, this is a person who um, was well known in Oakland, made people feel welcome, made me feel welcome in a, in a space that I was very new to. And honestly, I'm a black woman. She is a, I believe she's biracial, but she's a woman of color. And I thought, well, let's, you know, put her in this magazine. And we had a great time. Um, you and I, before we started recording, we're talking about the art of the interview. <laughs> and that was a good experience for me. Like sure. I hadn't, you know, I, I, I'd done the uh, Hello MD stuff, but like interviewing people was new. I had never written a journalistic piece before. And um, I was so proud of that. It came out, I think, January 2018. Nice. I've never seen my name in a magazine before. And that just like sparked something in me. Well, yeah, how'd that feel? And what it what, was, did you, that's, uh, I was so like, I, I still those, have a copy, right? I, I have multiple <laughs> copies. I got copies for my family, sent my sister a copy in Texas. Um, it was very humbling for me, but it also helped me realize. You know, I have a skill. This is this is my this is my jam. This is what I do, and cannabis was giving me a voice. Um, it was helping me find my voice, and I think as a writer, I, I was looking for that. I I didn't realize it. I don't think I had officially articulated it, but suddenly it was very clear. Seeing, I was finding my my calling. Right. Mm -hmm. Seeing seeing your name in a magazine. Yeah. Uh, on a topic that was new, yeah. Um, in about a career someone, that's new, about someone I thought was interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm satisfying my own curiosity, right? But, um, but it also, you know, I think it kickstarted for me. Uh, I wrote multiple pieces for Dope. Some um, were very lighthearted. You know, I think I wrote a 420 Stoner's Guide. Um, nice. I'm a big fan of. Uh, it was like uh, movies to watch while high, like movies you don't think of worth mm. watching and the godfather i'm a big proponent of watching the godfather parts one and two and three hi oh my god and you can have seen those movies over and over again but you will discover 
some really amazing Easter eggs. You'll translate the film in different ways. It's amazing. Love that. It's I amazing. love that. Not like super troopers, yeah. super bad. Yeah. Like movies you should watch high, not stoner movies yeah. that everyone's already seen high. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like so that. I wrote a, I wrote a few things for them. Um, but it's I, I I'm interested. We have so much going on in the industry. Everybody who's in the industry has a story. Yeah. And then the industry itself, the cannabis world. It's a massive fabric made of stories. There is an endless supply of stories. Um, but as a person of color, as a black person, I, I never, uh, I was a product of Just Say No 80s. I got into weed later in life. It didn't make sense for me really until I was in like my mid to late 30s. And um, so I did not have run-ins with law enforcement. I, pro you know, I probably had family members that got caught up in that but I wasn't aware of it I was avoiding I was steering clear um, and now that it was legal I kind of felt like I want to know about these people I want to know how black and brown people are gonna how are they gonna fare trying to get their business legalized in this industry um, when they were the ones who were most targeted by law enforcement like how is that gonna pan out and it just started me thinking about the culture overall you know, legalization has reverberations across many areas, um, but I think culturally our society is going to change dramatically as a result of people having access to legal cannabis. Totally. Yeah. What are, what are some of the things that you either have seen or think will come? Okay, so I love telling the story. So January of last year, Amber Center had her Easy Sundays Supper. And I paid for that. I had never done, I'm not someone who con consumes comfortably in public. It's old stuff, right? Mm. Um, so I thought, you know what? I am curious about the intersection between weed and food. I wanna kind of exercise my chops with getting more comfortable consuming in public. So I'm gonna pay for this. I'm going by myself. I'm not bringing my husband. I'm not bringing a friend. I'm just gonna go and see what happens. Michael, that was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. People were like, it was a, the vibe was right. We had a live band. We had dark lighting. We had, you know, the twinkling lights up. It wasn't packed with people in terms of like 100 or 200 people. I, I think maybe she had 50 to 75 folks there. And everyone was sitting at a table with people that they didn't know. And at the center of the table was um, all of the, the accessories, the rolling papers, the cones, all of that, blunt wraps, all of that. And then before each, um, you know, round of food, before each, why am I not remembering the word? You know, course. Course, thank you. Yeah. God. Um, we got a different strain of weed and it was curated to foster, com you know, conversation at first and then chill out and settle into those munchies and just enjoy the shit out of this delicious food. People were not sitting on their phones. They were engaging with each other. There was a there's a collaboration involved with like I'm terrible at rolling joints, so I was like I will break up the herb at my table. You go ahead and roll the joints, and like I don't know, it was just really special for me. Um, I have not recovered from it. I've tried to write about it just for my own personal use many times, and I cannot find the words. And so that was just like one example of how like even just socially entertainment wise 
um, a completely different experience and how important it is to have safe spaces where you feel comfortable um, to consume with like-minded people who just want to like chill and like enjoy and savor. It was really magical. I've, I know. They, I've, I've been to, I haven't been to any of those, but I have been to a couple infused dinners and it's, yeah. everything you're saying is so true. Just mm-hmm. the vibe is great. Um, you know, communication. I think that's just something that cannabis brings in general. And so, totally. I mean, that's like, you know, it's this culture, as you say, there's going to be changes to the culture. I yeah. think once that scales, you know, it's like people who, I mean, some, obviously, there's some people who have negative reactions to cannabis or this and that, or they say, you know, I've smoked, it makes me anxious. And I'm like, yeah, but have you ever, like, tried a wine that you didn't like yeah. or, like, a book that you didn't like? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, you call that what that is. Okay, you know what? That pre-roll, I didn't care for that. That was not working for me. And Try another one. There's more. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, so I'm curious, so that's something you said you haven't written on. Yeah. Um, over the past couple years, what are some of the things that you are, are most proud of Mm. or most happy? Because it sounds like, you know, from what I'm hearing a lot, some of your motivation comes from this like deep appreciation for the culture Mm -hmm. and then uh, a sense of like this ability to articulate it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of combining this passion with this like almost mission to spread this culture and spread this awareness of this little amazingness that's happening and yeah. I totally relate to that as well oh totally um and so so what are some of the little nuggets of culture that you mm. think you've documented well or that you oh, yeah. have enjoyed over the past couple years well I'm really proud of um the piece I wrote on Nina Parks the cover story for MJ Lifestyle magazine that was for their third issue is their social justice issue and um, she's someone who, like, I was already aware of her work. Um, we sort of knew each other, but had never really talked. And it was my first time. I mean, I just wanted to get to know her. I wanted to uh, understand, um, you know, this is a person who is, like, dedicating their lives towards the advocacy and, and of, of people of color, um, impoverished people having access to this industry. How does that? Who who's that person? What happens? What happened in her life that made this so interesting and and important for her? And I just wanted to like get to know her, um, and it and it turned into a story. And it you know I say that it wrote itself. I mean I agonized over that for a while because I needed to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I'm extremely proud of. It was on the cover, which like a cover story for me, a new journalist is like, what? That's crazy. Um, so there's that story is a big one. Um, I covered Grasslands at Outside Lands for the Bold Italic. And that was uh, unbelievable. First of all, the experience of attending it was fucking cool. Uh, like, I can't even say it any other way. I, Sorry, folks, I'm not as articulate as I <laughs> should be, but it's just, it was just fucking cool. Um, talking to people, just sitting in Golden Gate Park and seeing people freely consume cannabis while, you know, Santa Gold is playing in the background. And I, I mean, it was just like, it was just amazing. And it, and it was, it's his, his, Again, sorry, historically significant. So being a part of that, I think, was also really big for me. Right now, I'm working on a story about Sue Taylor, who is the 72-year-old African-American grandmother who opened um, Pharmacy Berkeley Dispensary. 
And I mean, her story is just like phenomenal. Um, she's gotten a lot of press, but again, I mean, I just kind of wanted to get to know her a little bit better. I think a lot of the uh, press on the industry is focusing so much on the industry, on the money, on the murders and acquisitions, on the failings, on the on the challenges with the social equity program. But I really also want to show the success stories, especially with the people of color because or at least like the potential solutions that they're exploring because we are still expanding legalization we are still trying to get it on a national level and on a global level and i think i want somebody i want a black kid in texas to read these stories and be like ah maybe this maybe this is going to be something i want to do when i grow up maybe i want to own a dispensary and maybe it's actually going to be possible for me mm -hmm. um but also it's about representation it's about um, you know, Arcview and, and Tilray and all that. I mean, these are not places that are, that are, I don't know, dominated by people of color. And I want to write about, you know, individuals who are making moves in this space who are not rich white dudes. Totally. And, and, and stories that are different. And yeah. even what you're saying, I mean, all these things, you know, Santa Gold, obviously a woman of color artist yeah. performing in a park and like, you know, the like cannabis being sold there. Like yeah. I wonder how many arrest warrants have been issued or people have gotten tickets for selling oh, weed over the and, years. and prior outside lands events. Yeah. And, and you talk about historic, you talk about culture. And, uh, I, I remember I was stoked on that cause you wrote, I think your article was somehow titled to the degree of like, like the true headliner yeah, was, was weed, was weed yeah. and variety, I think, or someone used oh, the like, yeah. same exact title. I think you pointed that I out said, to me. Yeah. I was like, all right, I've arrived. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get inspired by my shit. That's wild. It, yeah. But it's, it shows that like, you know, that I think I, I remember seeing that and being like, nice that like, a, that, you know, anytime those things happen, like you were saying with the Dope Magazine, with the cover story, mm -hmm. when uh, so, uh, something like Variety picks up something that you've said, it's like, it's just, I, I don't know, it's like a data point, a validation of, like, the direction, right? That, For like, sure. You're supposed to be covering Grasslands. It is historic. Yeah. It was crazy that they did a million dollars in sales yeah. in three days. And no problems. No, no issues. No problems. Yeah. Like, how many, let's check the logs of the ambulance records. How many people yes. were, had alcohol poisoning? Yeah. How many people had other issues like yeah. you know yeah. and 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 it is it's it's it is pretty crazy that like what's happening right now is historic yeah uh, it is with regards to cannabis we're it's the never first everything going to see this time again and the bay area is such a prominent figure in that oakland is such a prominent figure in that and i want to do what i can to contribute to that and really to like make sure that the rest of the world knows this is happening here and it can happen in your community. You know, individual in, in Florida who, you know, really wishes they had access. Maybe you might want to start going, be inspired to go to some city council meetings and speaking up on behalf of your rights as a patient. Things like that, I think. That's where my head is at. Yeah, you know? I love that. Yeah. Where do you, so, you know, you've written in MJ, written in Dope. Um, you know, what What would you say is the goal? Is mm. the, you know, for you, is the goal that, that Dope becomes or MJ become major major lifestyle magazines? Or mm -hmm. is it that the New York Times has a cannabis section every day? Yeah. Or both? Or, you know, like, what, do you, what would you say is, like, you know, if all, all goes well over the next few years, you know, what does cannabis journalism look mm. like in your eyes? Yeah, I... Um... 
I would love for like an MJ Lifestyle magazine to just blow up because it's women owned and published. The emphasis is on female stories. And, um, you know, I mean, I feel that women are, we are clawing and scraping our way to the top here, you know, um, and, our, and our lives and our stories are important. And for many of us too, like there's a lot of us out there who are mothers and, you know, um, not business owners and cannabis is a part of our lives and that we, we want, we have stories that are valid and that, that experience is valid. So I love what in particular MJ Lifestyle is doing. But for me personally, also, I mean, cannabis needs to be normalized. We have a lot of chipping away to do at this old outdated stigma shit. And I would like to be the black lady who makes it happen. So I'm, you know, I am, I have it on my uh, goal list to pitch the New York Times this year. I would love to write a story for Esquire magazine. That is my favorite publication. I love it. I've been reading that magazine for years. Um, I'm a big magazine person. Um, I feel like I'm going to have to write a book at some point. I don't know what about. I don't know if it's fiction or nonfiction because I have, I got some stories. <laughs> um, I got a little, I have a little ratty notebook where I write down little uh, observations and notes. And <laughs> sometimes I flip through there. I'm like, woo, when am I going to tell that tale, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my ultimate goal is to use my skill set for the greater good of stigma elimination and expanded access and, um, you know, underrepresented groups, people of color, women, veterans, disabled individuals, LGBTQIA community, m making advances in this industry. Totally. Yeah. I, you know, that's definitely one of the things that draws me, right? Because, I mean, I'm like the top of the privilege chain, mm -hmm. other than being tall. I don't okay. <laughs> I don't have tall, but otherwise, like, I'm pretty much all the other boxes there. Are yeah, mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of the things that draws me to cannabis is it. Again, it's not perfect. Society is nowhere near perfect. Oh, yeah. um, but there is this effort to create these pathways, yes. and there is a conversation, and there is um, there's just tremendous amount of energy being put into the idea that we should create an equitable industry, mm -hmm. not an equal industry, right, right. Um, an equitable industry. And, and, and I, there's no other industries that I've even seen an effort. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's part of what keeps me very invested in spend, choosing to spend my time here. Yes. Um, and, and I'm curious, you know, like how, how do you feel as someone who's worked in, under, in other industries, someone who mm. is a woman of color, mm -hmm. right? Because, like, that's my perspective, which mm -hmm. is, like, a little lottie dottie, but, you know, I know is genuinely in touch with, generally in touch with the reality of the world. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, kind of, your perspective and how, kind of, these efforts that are happening in cannabis and if, you know, if, if that's a part of your motivation mm -hmm. and how that applies. Definitely a part of my mo motivation. I love the accountability. I love that people are not in the industry, people who work in the industry are not shy about calling out a brand and being like what you're doing is not right um i think that's exactly that's responsible that's a responsible corporate environment i come from a very corporate background um i worked for i told the retail places but i mean i've worked i worked for dow jones i worked for wall street journal that's one of my first jobs um i've worked for ad agencies i've worked for um a lot of different places and I, looking back now, obviously when I was in it, I don't know if I felt this way uh, or could put a, maybe a, a label or a name to it, but 
uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. I did not feel like I had a voice in those environments. I did not feel like I feel very confident I was not making um, anywhere near an equitable salary in those environments. And um, part of why I'm in business for myself is because I want to be in control over what I charge for my services. Um, because I have dreams and aspirations too. I am, I'm building a business here. Yeah, I mean, I wanna go on vacation, but I also would like a savings account. I would like to be able to comfortably pay my rent in one of the most expensive markets in the country. So um, I appreciate um, all of the effort that's being put into us making the cannabis industry, which is worth billions, not like any other industry worth billions. I have worked in retail. Retail is all about money, 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 money. It's a constant ongoing thing. You know, I've worked on the sales floors and you know, if you're sick with the flu, you got, you had to come into work, uh, regardless, uh, if you couldn't find somebody or, or it was your job to find someone to replace you. Um, hustling, being abused by consumers, uh, you know, for $8 an hour. I've been there. Um, but also I have worked in retail environments where I have literally been trying to express an idea and been completely talked over by people. I had somebody at a job, uh, I told them I had just gotten back from vacation and he looked me in the eye and was like, oh, how were you able to afford that? I've had some really fucked up shit happen to me in corporate environments. Gnarly. Yeah. And so I... Um, you know, I think, I think that if we can, if we can set a foundation where we are calling that stuff out and businesses that do these irresponsible, um, jacked up things or it's their sales suffer as a result, we want that, you know, people, non-GMO is, is a movement because of the people, the people feel that they, they want to know what's in their food. Um, you know, organic, gluten-free, you know, more consciousness around your, and then also, you know, Nestle. People are like, fuck Nestle because of what they've basically done to our environment. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are things that we can, we can carry throughout all business. Totally. If we really, really try and work hard at it, it makes us uncomfortable. I mean, listen, I have cut back my Amazon purchasing <laughs> dramatically over the last year and it's hard, but I got a problem with the way they run business, you totally. know? So I got to use my dollars to, to reflect that. Totally. You know? And I think, yeah, I think cannabis, um, to that, to the idea that your votes are dollars, mm -hmm. you know, obviously there are some, some issues, but you know, overall I, I, cannabis has that has got to have the highest percentage of quality companies where mm. if you're purchasing a product at mm -hmm. a legal cannabis store, you're probably buying it from someone. No one just found a cannabis license. Right. Everyone who has yes. one has worked tremendously difficult. Sure. Um, and even if you had, uh, you know, a trust fund money mm -hmm. to get you started, mm -hmm. you still didn't just get to the front of the line. No. You had to go through planning. You had to, oh, yeah. you know, anyone who's in this industry. And you are still held to standards. Is, you can't just backdoor your product in there. Somebody's going to find out that your shit is tainted and it will be broadcast all over the place. And then you're going to be out of business. We've already seen it happen and i hope we continue for on that we got to hold um these businesses responsible if i'm spending my money i have an expectation that you are providing me with a safe responsible product and if i find out you're lying i'm gonna i'm gonna call you out you yeah. know
So yeah, it's a good thing. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, to wrap up, uh, we've had a great little chat here. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious, just kind of you know what 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 you you hope you said you're going to pitch uh, New York Times. Yes. That's a goal for 2020. That's a goal for 2020. Um, you know what else can uh, we expect to to see from you over the past year? And mm. uh, you know what are you hoping to 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 get done in the next year or so? Well, I mean, I just need to raise my profile. I'm a writer. I'm very comfortable in the background. But but I can't be. I have to challenge myself. Um, I got to be on camera. I hate that shit. Um, I got to do that. I'm also right now in the middle of taking a cannabis tolerance break. So for the entire month of February, I'm not consuming. I did have some CBD last night because I had trouble sleeping. Um, and I'm also going to share that experience because I want to talk about like someone who really I feel that cannabis was becoming a crutch for me. And I want to develop a new relationship with it. I am now. I'm not a medical patient, right? So I don't have um, ailments that require, you know, high levels of consumption. But I also want to live my life as a middle-aged woman uh, with a little bit broader approach to wellness. So I, you know, I want to talk about, you know, maybe having previously having a, a bit of a dependence on that. I think that should be part of the conversation. So you know, I think I just, I think my biggest thing is just like. Uh, opening my myself up to tell my own story. I'm so interested in other people's stories. Um, but I think what is going to be part of what draws people to my work will be that there's a real person dealing with their own issues that you could probably relate to um, writing this stuff. And um, this is this is this is where I'm at, you know. So I think that's gonna be the biggest challenge for me is just kind of getting out of my comfort zone and increasing my profile. So I'm gonna host a 420 event for the second year in a row at Hipline Oakland where I work out. I think that's a done deal. Um, <laughs> and I'm excited about that. And you know, there's some stuff cooking. I do workshops with my partner, Penny, my business partner um, and friend um, called Lestesh Workshop. So we're gonna do more of those. So nice. I'm, I'm excited, it's cool. gonna be good. And then uh, how can how can people reach you or find you oh, yeah. or uh, contact you if so interested? So I'm um, I have a website keishadian.com k a i s h a d y a n like Nancy dot com. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is atasiak a h s i a k, which is Keisha spelled backwards. That's the best I could do. Love that. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can email me keishadian at gmail .com, Especially if you have a story idea, um, you know I want to know what's going on with brands consumer brands and I want to know what's going on with people of color, disabled people, veterans in the space, underrepresented groups. So tell me what's happening. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you for telling us and telling me a little bit about what's happening. Thank you, Michael. Um, I'm so honored. Yeah, I'm happy I'm happy we met. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, and uh, thanks so much. It's been uh, great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Music. You can also stay up to date by following on Instagram at happywemet. For more information about the awesome people featured on this podcast, visit happywemet.com to learn more about them and find their contact information. Your time is appreciated. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Happy We Met.